0: Well, thanks for joining us. It's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we talk about a lot of different things on this show, and uh, you and I are both, I I think, obviously, students of history because we've been around for a while, and we pay attention to things, and and we're in a real period of transition right now. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of discord. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of instability. I mean, choose choose your word how do we invest during a period like this?
1: Well, history is full of examples of economies that don't work anymore. And it happens about every, it seems about every 30 or 40 years where things run along smoothly. And then all of a sudden it's like your car, it needs a tune-up or it needs Needs some major work done on the transmission or the in or the engine. You know, economies wear out just like engines do, and history is full of economies that just ran out of gas. In the late 60s and early 70s, um, if you remember, in the West here, uh, we were plagued with racial tension, high unemployment, un- inflation at 11 percent, interest rates over 20 percent. And then the era of Reagan and Thatcher and Mulroney, very conservative politicians came in, and they fixed many of those problems. You know, in the 1980s, we had Premier Deng, who brought capitalism to China. Mao's old command and control economy just wasn't providing the economic benefits needed to move the economy forward. So they went through some gut-wrenching changes, but as, as a result... China is now one of the highest-performing, if not the highest-performing major economy in the world. The 1980s and 90s, the Iron Curtain fell in Eastern Europe. The Russian-style communism brought the economies in Eastern Europe to the brink of collapse. And so they had to go through gut-wrenching changes, but they did. And if you've had a chance to go through what was Eastern Europe and is now part of the European Union, you'll see how dramatically things have improved. Even in Canada, you know, we were at the point where the International Monetary Fund was close to stepping in and helping us with our debt and and spending because we were in a crisis. But then you had uh, Mulroney, Cretchen and Harper, three very conservative administrations, and did a fiscal about-face, and our financial strength until recently became literally the envy of the world. And so... Even in Canada, I think we remember those tough times and the things that we had to go through. to Wage and price
0: controls, as an example. Oh, yeah. 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 And I wonder if we're not at the door of that again. Uh, The International Monetary Fund's been casting a rather jaundiced eye on Canada of late.
1: Well, I think we're spending, and you look at uh, even the last four or five years (laughs) where literally the amount of debt we have has doubled. And certainly it can't continue to grow at this rate because – got to pay this back, or you've got to inflate your way out of it. And if I inflate my way out of it, it just means that the value of my assets and my cash, it uh, it depreciates my buying power every year to be able to obtain those assets and things. So, you know, one way or the other, the government either charges you more taxes, uh, the living standards go down, or they rob from you by, by inflating their way out of the debt. Either way, it hurts.
0: So, point out in this, in your planning for this, that people only make difficult choices when they're forced to.
1: Yeah, essentially when you've painted yourself into a corner and you've got no other way to go, and... uh...
0: No more bullets for the gun? Quivers out of arrows, here we go. Yeah.
1: Those are exactly the type of, of things I'm talking about. And of course, we find that today. Fewer and fewer people are sharing an ever-increasing percentage of the economic pie. You know, it seems like the only people that are getting ahead are in the top 25%. Companies are offshoring production to places where wages are low and environmental and labor standards are either non-existent, they're not in force, or we're losing jobs. The economic status and benefits are skewed by race and gender, so there's a lot of people frustrated. If they're women or, or they're, they're of another uh, back, uh, gen- genetic background, uh, they're having trouble getting work. Trade and defense deals are being viewed as increasingly one-sided, and uh, that's why Trump got into power in the first pay- place. People were just tired of the U.S. literally financing everyone's defense so that they could put all their money into manufacturing and undercut the U.S. Reckless debt issuance, technology companies gaining unprecedented power and invasiveness into our lives. There's a lot of things right now, the environment that people are frustrated about, and that leads to change.
0: And I guess we could say that we're on the cusp of that, the recent U.S. election. uh, We're certainly not politically stable in Canada. We know that. We have a minority government. You can almost see the pot coming to a slow boil, can't you?
1: And if you look back, into the sixties, uh, in the United States, you had the Vietnam war and they had the marches for racial equality. And all of a sudden, Martin Luther King burst on the scene. And at first he was looked at as being, uh, marginal in the infancy of that movement, but how quickly that gained momentum and literally changed the course of history, you know? And so, uh, in Canada, probably a little quieter cause we tend to be a quieter people, But finally, in the 70s and 80s, the silent majority just got sick of all the things that were going on and put their foot down. And we had some major changes that were wonderful for Canada. So, you know, when people get frustrated enough, they finally do things.
0: And the question that I've had, and I discuss this, my wife and I talk about it, I talk about it with our sons. We're going to have to suck up some pain here in the next little while. I mean, nobody likes to see spending cuts. But boy, oh boy, I, I can't think of a, of a time where we've needed the more that we do right now.
1: We need, we need fiscal discipline. You can't just spray money at everything without having thought through it logically because money is not an infinite resource. You can't keep printing it and printing it and printing it. If you do, you devalue the currency, which means that every asset in this country is worth less. And we're all poorer as a result of it. So people say, well, it, they look at debt as a third-party thing. Well, it's something the government owns. Well, no, it's something that we own because we have the obligation to pay it back. And that comes through higher taxes. That comes through higher inflation. That comes through a slower economy. That just comes through all the things that are negative.
0: Well, we keep losing fact to the state. The government does work for us. Um uh... You know, I think we need to remind them of that every once in a while. So what's the the best way to go about this? If you're an investor, what what should we be doing now during this period of transition which is looming so large?
1: Well, realize, first of all, that transitions take time. If you look back at the 70s and 80s, you know, often transitions take a decade or more. uh, But they're a necessary process that take time to resolve. Democracies are a very, very messy thing. And it takes time for all the squabbling to sort itself out. But historically, in the end, they get resolved or have in the past. So I think you want to start by, number one, building a position in precious metals. So as we go through tough times, they are going to continue to print money like drunken sailors. Uh, And precious metals will protect you if we see inflation. You also want to build a portfolio of the best of the best stocks. And if you go back and listen to some of our podcasts, you'll see that we've had the best of the best stocks. We've had num- numerous shows on that. And you're just moving up the quality curve. You're moving into companies that are more likely to survive. You weed out your weakest positions. You build a cash position. You, you patiently wait. You use that uh, cash that you have to buy in weakness. And then finally, you buy sectors that people continue to use no matter what the state of the political environment or the economy. Google, Telus, Johnson & Johnson, Fortis, Loblaws, Visa, those are all companies that it really doesn't matter uh, where we're at in the transition unless the world comes to an end. These, these are the types of companies that should do well.
0: So given the, the current political situation, and as we say, the amount of uncertainty regarding what's going to happen down in the States, but... That uncertainty can be a good thing, as we pointed out in that last episode, because there's not going to be any real dramatic control in the United States government. You've got the House in one party, the Senate in the other, and then you have a president. So is that a good scenario right now in this time of transition?
1: Well, I think that it doesn't give the government the power to do a lot of good things. But on the other side, it doesn't give them the power to do a lot of stupid things either. And as transitions take place, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer to the voting public the tough calls they are going to have to make. And they eventually elect people for that job. You know, people forget that Winston Churchill, who was called the leader of the 20th century, after the war was over, he wasn't elected because... He didn't particularly have the type of skills in a non-military economy to to lead the nation, but he was the perfect leader for the time when they were going through the Nazi blitzkrieg. So we're going to elect the leaders that get things done, and the public will make sure that that happens. It's always happened in the past. Um, The public is smarter than most of us think, and We'll, when we, when we, the frustration gets high enough, that's when the silent majority puts their foot down and says, enough is enough. We've got to make some changes. And that's coming it just doesn't look like quite yet
0: and i think the pandemic's a big part of that ron a lot of people enormous frustration with everything that's been going on people are you know they're tired of being homebound they want to get back to and i put this in the air quotation marks normal i'm not sure that we'll ever get back there but let let's just sort of go down that road a bit let's find a we get a vaccine let's assume we get a vaccine or we get some kind of a treatment that that kind of abates covid and things start to blossom again uh, do you see that as the scenario? Like, is there liable to be explosive growth coming out of this thing?
1: Well, I guess there could always be uh, explosive explosive growth coming out of out of this, but certain sectors, I I think, might not even make it that long. I mean, you look at the restaurant industry. Unless there's a miracle tomorrow, um, a third to half of the industry is not even going to be around in spring. You know, so. Once you've wrecked people's lives, how do you fix that quickly? And especially in small business, I was uh, talking to a number of small business owners here recently, and many of them aren't sure they're going to make it to spring. So, you know, and that's just fallout that it's very hard to fix once you've lost your business. What do you do? Yeah. What, what do you do? You know, it. You start all over again, and. Sure. If if you're a young person, you're in your thirties or your forties. Well, you can if if you've got any economic savvy. Yeah, you'll rebuild it again. But if you're in your fifties or your sixties, or uh, and this late, is
0: your life's work, right?
1: Yeah. but the lady, one lady I was talking to, she'd had a deli, and she'd done very well with that deli for for thirty years. She's in her late sixties, and she says, "I'm not making it till spring. What am I going to do?" Well. The answer is that uh, she's going to sell the the uh, all the the chairs and the tables and the kitchen stuff for ten cents on the dollar, and uh, then she's going to move in with her kids and and live a life that isn't very very uh, what she was expecting for forty years worth of work.
0: Sad, sad situation. But we rebound. We we tend to rebound, and that's all we can do is remain optimistic and hope for the best. So. Again, Ron is a, is a former retire, He's a retired portfolio manager, so he can't advise anymore. These are suggestions, right, Ron?
1: These are suggestions. You know, we just try to look at the macro uh, picture and give you some advice. And of course, right now, transition is big on everybody's mind. And one of the catalysts for that has been COVID nineteen. And it looks like we're going through a period where a lot of these unaddressed grievances they build to a boil. Maybe we're not there yet, but...
0: As I say, the pot's simmering.
1: The (laughs) pot is simmering, and as an investor, here's a list of things that uh, you need to do to make sure that you're in a good, strong position going through this.
0: Okay, we're going to be back uh, next week with another episode of Making Money. We're going to be talking about investing in a new world order. There's a lot of change going on on the planet right now, and we're going to try to address some of that. Remember, if you have a question or a show suggestion, you can reach us through our website at letsmakemoney.ca. Or you can also go through the cfcw.com portal. The show is called Making Money. It airs there. And uh, Ron has his Money Minutes twice daily on CFCW Radio. That sometimes we give you a little snippet of what we have coming up in future episodes. So uh, by all means, contact us. We'd appreciate any input from you. That's what it's all about. On behalf of Ron Hebert, the Financial Coach, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you next week. And thanks for listening.